Hey everybody, welcome to the latest edition of the Big Ass Herky Legs Podcast. I am your host, Tall Paul, and I am joined today by Nolan Hawkeye Anthony of 247hawkeye.com. Nolan, how's it going today? Paul, that was an absolutely beautiful introduction. Honestly, I don't think I could have done better myself. I am uh, just really, really happy about that. That really gave me a jolt of energy. I'm doing good, man. How are you? Uh, you know, it, it, we are in the thick of it now. It's we are. Uh, you know, we, we got a game under our belt. Uh, didn't didn't go the way we wanted. And um, <laughs> matter of fact, you know, this is uh, this is a good time for me to just kind of break out what we're going to discuss today on the Big Ass yeah. podcast. Uh, you know, I, I, I want to put our final thoughts on on Purdue. And then, uh, yeah, I've got yeah. some things to talk about there. Uh, we can turn our attention sure. towards Northwestern. Uh, and uh, we'll kind of put a bow on it. So uh, without further ado, I think we should get started. Yeah, let's do it, man. Um, uh, you lead the way with Purdue and, and where you want to start out first there. Uh, I've watched the game twice now. So, uh, you know, I'm very set with with uh, my takeaways from that game. Go ahead, buddy. Okay, perfect. That, that's awesome. And uh, again, before we actually get into this, guys, I just want to mention, uh, you know, you Definitely check out the podcast if you're listening to this, you're already doing that. Um, check out our stuff on 247hawkeye.com. We're also on uh, uh, Twitter and Instagram, right? Yeah, so uh, Twitter, uh, it is at 247hawkeye, uh, and Instagram, it is at official247hawkeye.com page. So, yeah, thanks, Paul. Yeah, my pleasure. So, uh, all right, so the first thing I want to talk about was what happened at the end of the first half. Uh, you know, I was moving the ball. They, they, uh, you know, the, the time is winding down. We, you know, they just. It was a great drive, by the way. Like, there were some great play calls during that drive, except, except for at the end. But yeah, go ahead. Right. So, so they decide to, to, to run the ball to Goodson. He goes uh, off the right side. Um, Coy Kronk missed a, a, a block, and uh, the play never really stood a chance of, of doing much. Here, here's my question for you. Um, yeah. Play call aside, because uh, you know, if, if it works, nobody's going. Oh, well, why did you call that? Because if he if he runs into the end zone untouched, it's a beautiful play call. But if if Nolan Hawkeye Anthony is uh, is the offensive coordinator, um, would you have would you have run the ball in that situation? Oh, uh, I said this at the uh, for the NHA halftime report immediately, and I've I've said this many many times, and I hope people take this the way that it's intended. Because, like I've said before, I, you know, I, the place I heard it originally was uh, from Clay Travis, and it just it really does make sense to me. But you know, f- football coaches a lot of times are glorified gym teachers. Not not that there's anything wrong with that, being a gym teacher. But when I say that, what I mean is, is that a lot of the coaches are not, uh, you know, you have a Nick Saban, a Kirk Ferentz. If they were doing another job other than football, they would probably do very well. That's just the type of guys they are. All the coaches around football are not like that. You know, it's football or and that's it. Uh, and so I do think that a lot of times they overthink it and they they miss the the 
absolute just logical things that a guy like you and me sees, right? Because they're they're football guys. And, you know, I know people will take that in a weird way. I I didn't say it as perfect as Clay Travis. But um, in other words, Brian Ferentz absolutely goofed that up. And it it was on Kirk Ferentz, too. uh, And a thousand percent that they had a timeout in their pocket. I knew it at the time. You knew it at the time. And I gave two scenarios. They had time. They had time to call a timeout and set a play for the end zone. Okay. And end zone, or that's it, right. Or throw it away and, and take the point or, um, say to Spencer on the headset, you know, Spencer, Spencer, uh, we're going to call this play. Either it's there or it's not. If it's there, great. If it's not, move on. Because they had Purdue on their heels. And yes, as you said, if, you know, was it an absolutely horrible call? Could Tyler Goodson have scored a touchdown? Yeah, Purdue was on their heels. But was it realistic? No, because the the offensive line it was tired and the, uh, you get them up to the line of scrimmage and they're as tired as the defensive line guys it just wasn't you know a good idea and it, and it amounted to nothing you just lost seconds and it, it was that that's the longest way of saying uh that that was a bad call there were two to three options that they could have absolutely uh taken advantage of and uh, Kirk Ferentz said after the game, he would have taken, uh, in hindsight, he would have taken a shot to the end zone because, like I said, Purdue was on their heels. They had a touchdown, or excuse me, they had uh, a timeout in their pockets. Uh, and if they didn't want to use that right then, they could have told Spencer on the headset, end zone, or it's got to be wide open, no interception, but we're going end zone here, that's it. And, 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 you know, if it doesn't work, you call the time, you know, if he throws the ball short, uh, then you have your timeout and you call timeout and Keith Duncan hits the field goal. Simple as that. So here's my initial thinking, right? I'm thinking to myself, that was a, we get the second half kickoff play call because going into the halftime, you know, you, you want to make sure, okay, you know, let, we, we've gotten down here. Let's come away with points. Uh, if nothing else, let's not turn the ball over. Not let, Let's not lose what we just did by, by walking away empty. And we've got a great kicker, probably the best kicker in the country. So, right. But that to me felt like uh, we get the ball after halftime. So if we get three here and we come out after halftime and get seven, you know, that's a 10-point swing for us. Well, actually, no, no, no. Purdue, uh, Iowa took the kickoff. Right. right. Uh, so this is Right. So, oh, you're saying that the mindset, it, it should have been if that was, if Iowa did get the ball back in the second half, then kicking the field goal was a better option. I see what you're saying. Exactly, yep. yes. But because, you know, so I, I would have, in that situation, you had time to get up to the line of scrimmage and run the ball. I would have spiked it. Um, yes, I, that's I, another thing I would say. Yep. I either would have spiked it or I would have had a, a play ready to go where I'm going to throw a jump ball to Brandon Smith. Let's see if he can high point the football in the end zone. Um, that can yeah. be a dangerous play. Here's kind of what it told me is that 
there's about a 75 to 80% trust uh, with Spencer Petrus in that situation. They trusted him enough to get the ball down there, but when it came right to it, they trusted Keith Duncan more than I, than they trusted Petrus to either make the right read or make a good throw in that situation. So they said, okay, you know, who, who are our no. best options? Tyler Goodson and Keith Duncan. Listen, I don't completely disagree, but I think uh, it's 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 much more simple than that. I yeah. think uh, Jim Teaser football coaches made bad made a bad call there. They made uh, they didn't know what they had. Uh, I said after the game that Iowa was out coached, uh, and it, that was on the coaches right there because, as you said, that the, there could have been a spike. There could have you know. Uh, and put it to second down with about 11, 12 seconds left, which is plenty of time for one more play, even maybe two uh, with a, with a timeout in your pocket. Yes. And so there was so much stuff. It, it was just executed absolutely poorly. And it made me sad because Brian called an absolute perfect uh, one minute drive and Spencer was balling. Right. So I, you, but to some extent, I do agree with you that, yes, they did feel uh, more confident with Keith Duncan and just going into halftime with points. Yeah. And, and the, the, maybe the most disappointing thing about that sequence to me is heading into the game, Purdue's without their head coach, uh, you know, due to the COVID. And, yes. and here we were thinking if a situation comes up where, you know, uh, a, a, a split decision needs to be made and whatever, that. Oh, they yeah, might be point. the ones that make the make the mis- make the mistake in, in that pressure situation, and 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 it was our coaching staff, the you know, the most tenured staff, and you know, in the country, you know, with the most tenured coach in the country. So disappointing for me that, you know, that that that, that it transpired that way. I was glad to see us come away with points. I was glad to see us be aggressive, get the ball back with with a minute left, and you know, uh, Kirk 1.0 is probably taking a knee. And and we're just happy to go yeah. to time and and play the second right. half. So well, that's why I don't think that it was a uh, that they did not have confidence. Listen, rewatching that game, mm-hmm. they absolutely have all kinds of confidence in Spencer. Now I know I know what you're saying that it's just in that circumstance they felt better, you know, better with a kicker that you know, arguably should have won the Lou Groza award last yeah. year. Yeah, he's automatic. Uh, he's as automatic as it gets. Automatic, yeah. Um, but Iowa choosing to push the football downfield with a minute left is not normal Iowa stuff. And the fact that they did that with Spencer showed the confidence in him. And I know – uh, you know, uh, actually, I'm 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 not gonna say this because I don't you know I don't want to to get him in trouble. But uh, I you know I had a, a conversation with Spencer after, uh, uh, two two days after the game, and uh, yeah, it was it was a missed opportunity, and Kirk Ferentz knew it, plain and simple. That uh, he knew it, uh, and uh, you know, quite frankly, if you're a quarterback with Spencer Petrus's mind mindset. That was a missed opportunity too. I mean, this kid has a killer mindset, and he wanted to dunk all over Purdue on that, and he didn't get the opportunity. Plain and simple. Yeah. It's as simple as that. Well, 
you know that 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 I think is a great recap of what happened there at the end of the first half. But yeah, no, you know what, Paul? I didn't think about what you said, uh, or I hadn't thought about it before until you just said it. But the fact that and 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 I said I was wrong about this. You know, a hundred percent when I said that Iowa would be the team that that would and we and I said this in our podcast before the game that uh, Iowa would be the team that was okay in the uh, down to down stuff. You know, uh, those uh, I think we called it by a different name before that. But the down to down stuff. Yeah, I said that and I was wrong. I was absolutely wrong. Uh, and throughout the entire, uh, you know what? I can't say throughout the entire game it showed. Um, the only other thing I would say is that Iowa should have ran the ball more, not because of Spencer, but just because of how much they were leaning on Purdue. And, uh, you know, uh, but yeah, the, the, the game to game or the, 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 uh, those small things, Iowa, the coaching staff missed the mark. Yeah, they did. And that, that was not expected by me. I, I, I will admit that, Paul, okay. was not expecting that. And, and, you know, you just made the perfect segue into my next topic here, which is amazing because uh, I did not share with you what, what the topics I wanted to talk about were. Right. Um, but m- the next thing on my list was the running game. Uh, I thought Iowa's running game for, you know, week one, Big Ten opponent, uh they they were doing were just about whatever they wanted to do, running the ball right down their throats. All three running backs. It wasn't it wasn't just one of them. It was all three. And boy, did Ivory Kelly Martin good. I mean, at times, Paul, you didn't know if it was because, quite frankly, Tyler Goodson and Ivory Kelly Martin are built pretty similarly. You know, with a with a lean upper body. Uh, you know, they have muscles up top, but it's lean with, you know, tree trunk legs, you know, in a nice, nice uh, caboose. You know, um, you know, it's not right. It's it's not like, you know, um, uh, what are some running backs that have played in the NFL? Uh, there's one that I'm thinking of who played for the Jaguars, uh, who just had absolutely massive. Uh, legs. That was Maurice Jones. Yes, Maurice Jones drew. Uh, you know, uh, Tyler Goodson and Ivory Clay Martin are not that, but they they do have similar body types. They are very lean up top with you know uh, strong legs, and like I said, you couldn't even tell them apart at, at times. You know, on on Twitter and, and Facebook, I had actually said, "Dang, Tyler Goodson is running down their throat." But it's actually Ivory Kelly Martin, you know? And so that, to me, was a great thing to see because, uh, like I had been saying before the season, you know, Ivory Kelly Martin is for real. He is, Paul, he's a good running back. Yeah, but go ahead. Sorry. Well, what about, you know, the the introduction of the Wild Hawk? You know, we've we've got Goodson taken. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like it a lot. I, I see an evolution coming from this because of what you just talked about, guys like Kelly Martin and, and Makai yeah. Sargent. You know, maybe where we get some situations where, where Goodson is in there, you know, taking the snap, and we've got Kelly Martin back there with them. We've got 
Makaiser. You know, we can run some different stuff. I, I think there's a chance for us to be very multiple right. uh, running that wild hawk formation. With the, with the, with the option of running trick plays out of it, and to be honest, it's just it's absolutely hard to stop because you have your running backs having basically four yards to attack the gap that they want to attack and kind of go at it with full force. Uh, it's, you know, it's, can't, it's, can't, it's, you know, it's, a, it's like a quarterback option who gets mm-hmm. in and just, and it's like a guaranteed three, four, five yards. That's what I like about it the most is the, it's a pretty much guaranteed three, four, five yard play which is solid because you do need plays in your arsenal that are guaranteed to get four to five yards. And, you, you know, at least 80 to 90% of the time you need those. So I absolutely love to play with the option of trick plays as well. Yeah, I love it. Uh, I, you know, I, I don't know if Goodson can throw the football at all, like if, he, if, he, if, if that's in his arsenal. But, you know, at, at – I will say this. Trust me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They, they, they probably know who has the best arm at running back in the end. If they would run that, if they wanted to do a trick play, they would have, uh, you know, the correct running back throwing the football. So, you know, like I said, it, all these things are kind of taking care of and there are a lot of options out of the, out, out of that formation but the best thing is that they're chunk plays yeah. <laughs> i mean if we're gonna throw the football i want i want it coming out of spencer yeah and don't get me wrong it, but, yes but at the same time you can't run that that wild hawk and just run out run out of it 100 percent of the time uh, because teams will will you know start sending eleven guys. Yeah, to the yeah it's, it's only about a three, a three, maybe two to three times uh, a game type thing. Yeah, that you know you, you're right on that. But uh, there, there has to be some kind of threat that we we might you know show that formation and throw out of it. But but it was just great to see. You know, this is one of those things yeah. where where Iowa fans, uh, you know, we they've complained for years about a lack of uh, uh, being imaginative. Uh, uh, a lack of, uh, you know, uh, the, the play calling is stale and boring and, and we don't try things. Look, we're trying stuff. Yeah. And, and, and it's working. So, you know, may, maybe the fans are, are are right in the sense that, you know, they'd like to see the, the Iowa. Fans are usually not right, Paul, uh, as, <laughs> as uh, you know, because what you know what we see, and we're fans also, and we're guilty of this, is we say you know on one hand that we want all of this you know sexy stuff before the run or before the play, but then after a game like against Purdue where we lose, we have some people who say, "No, I hate that sexy stuff. Take it out. We don't need it." <laughs> right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, every, every call is great when it works. Yes. Right. Uh, I, I do think Brian Ferentz called a good game. I do. I, I think he I called think, a really good game. I, I thought they, they ran the ball well. Uh, Petrus threw the ball well enough. Uh, they, they put up 400 and some yards of offense. Uh, yes. The offense wasn't the problem. And that leads me into our next, uh, our next topic here, the pass defense. Okay. David Flipping. 
Bell. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, He's I, the real deal. Yeah, you know, uh, you, you could have asked any Iowa fan before the before the game, who 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 does the defense need to focus on? Who do they have to stop? A hundred out of a hundred, we're gonna say David Bell with Rondell Moore not playing. Right. And you'd have to think that eleven of the guys on the field playing defense would have thought that too, right? But it seemed yeah. to me and it seemed to a lot of fans they spent a lot of time playing defense against grass and not against, you know, not, not, yeah, the zone know, defense would come into their zone and, and, you know, you, you've got to come play, you got to play that man when he's in your, your zone in your area. Right? Like him really knows how, how to attack zone defenses. Quite frankly, good wide receivers know how to attack zone defenses because they know how to get, they know how to sit in, Good uh, wide receivers have the football IQ to know where to sit in a route and really just just kill that zone. You know what I mean? And and th- that was da- that was David Bell the entire game. Uh, it, but he is the real deal, folks. I, I'm I'm going to say that 100. percent I mean, he's going to be a first or second round pick. The kid is for real. Well, uh, and, and now here's what I've seen what Purdue does. Because uh, like you, I, I went back and, and, and tortured myself by watching the game a couple of times. Uh, you know, I, I, I take that one for the team. I do that for you guys, right? You know, yes. we, we put ourselves through that misery. Uh, right. But you look at what Purdue does route tree-wise, and, and this is what I think the, the Iowa staff is going to have to uh, figure out and adjust to. They know I was going to play a, a form of like quarters coverage or, or maybe like a cover three type situation. So Purdue floods the zone. They, they put, you know, two, three guys in areas where, okay, well, if we're going to leave our, our right cornerback on the right side of the field, well, if we send guys on crossing routes and things like that, we can put more receivers than there are defenders there to cover. And that's how they're winding up with guys running open, uh, just sitting down in spots unguarded. It's because they say, well, if you're going to play zone all day long, we're just going to put more guys in an area than you, than you can cover at one time. Right. And so um, I, I, I hope that they take a look at that in the last you know, few years playing Purdue and say, okay, what is Purdue doing to us that, okay, well, they're, they're flooding zones and they're, they're they're doing zone beaters and and they it's it's obvious too they had you know a lot of time to prepare for the Iowa defense um, but the Iowa defense had tons of time to prepare for Purdue you know where usually the excuse was well they only had you know they only have a week to prepare for an offense like Purdue that's tough listen the only excuse I give this Iowa defense is that, number one, there are a lot of young guys that are very talented that I, after watching that game, I am so excited about. Davion Nixon, uh, it, John Wagner, for that matter, when he came in, he made a difference. I think he is going to play himself into the starting defensive end role. Uh, when he got into the, into the game, he immediately got to the quarterback. Now, he missed that sack. Uh, he should have got that sack. He missed it uh, when he tried to, you know, bring the, the quarterback around. 
But the thing that, that I fail to understand is Phil Parker, a guy who has stifled offenses like USC, Mississippi State, uh, you know, with the Penn State, with offenses that are just as dynamic and, and, and produce offense, if you look at it statistically, is not and, – and I want to make this more about Iowa than Purdue because, honestly, Purdue is a 500 team. Yeah. But um, for Iowa, what they have done in the past – Phil Parker is not a gym teacher coach. He is the real deal. He's a smart dude uh, who, who, who knows how to, to – I mean, it's harder to get better than what, what we had in Norm Parker, you know, rest in peace. But Phil has, has really just done great. But the thing that just I, could, I failed to understand, and I, the Iowa defense does this a lot, Paul, is when they get into trouble, where there is one guy that is just beating them and beating them and beating them. It's, it's like basketball, where why the F – would you not go into a box and one and put, you know, one, two bodies on this guy and make someone else beat you? You know what I mean? Absolutely. Uh, and maybe, maybe they did do that. Uh, when I rewatched it, I think that's why the, the uh, Mark Wiseman impersonating running back that Purdue had ran. Um, uh, I think he's a decent running back, but he had a better game than he, he probably should have. Um, I think that Iowa was, uh, but, but I think they were sending bodies zone wise instead of manning up and saying, you know what, let's man up, let's give some help uh, on the back end with some zone, but let's man up, let's have, let's throw Matt Hankins on them, let's throw Julius Brents on them, let's really man up, have them go at each other and, uh, and then make a different wide receiver beat us. Or because they had nothing else going on, and that's the thing. Dean or Paul that that uh, <laughs> just used to uh, the NHA podcast, Paul that I it, it, that was infuriating me within the game uh, because I, it, there just were zero adjustments that I saw Iowa make, and maybe uh, because I don't know the X's and O's with football as much, maybe I'm absolutely incorrect on this. But it, just from my own standpoint, it was so. Uh, it was just hurting my stomach seeing Iowa not uh, adjust and and have something else beat them. Like I said, you know, in basketball, let's take Iowa hoops. You know, when Iowa plays this upcoming season, uh, teams are going to throw bodies at Luka Garza and say, yes, we know you're talented elsewhere, but we want other guys to beat us. You know, and yeah, that part was disappointing. I'll, I'll be completely honest about that. It was very disappointing. The pass defense probably got a C plus. It, it would have got a B because of the, you know, interception that Matt Hankins got, considering yep. the talent that David Bell is, um, it being a first game. But but because of the, the ultimate, the entirety of the game uh, and, and the touchdown pass at the end, you know, the pass defense got to got to be, or excuse me, a C plus, maybe B minus. So, my my three big takeaways, or my my three, uh, I think Iowa does have three very very NFL ready defensive players on the team right yes. now for sure. Uh, uh, Damian yes. Nixon was absolutely everywhere, like you mentioned. Yes. Uh, Matt Hankins is is going to be a, a corner in the league, 
and yes. uh, and Belton was absolutely laying people out. So, yes, uh, those, those, you're absolutely right. Those three are right now. When we look at the, uh, maybe a fourth and Chauncey Golston, but quite frankly, if Golston doesn't show something extra, I don't know if he is going to get drafted because. Uh, you, the the stats, even though the starts are there, the 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 stats aren't. It's it's uh he he needs to step up. But I would maybe add him as a fourth. But other than that, you're right. Those three are to me knockout NFL guys right now that the Iowa defense has. Yep. Yeah, yeah. and here's my thing on the pass defense, and then you know we'll probably move on to the next topic here. Uh, yeah. Is if you're, if you're not getting pressure with four and you've got guys running wide open, you know, like David Bell is, or you're sitting down wide open in a zone, there's two adjustments that you can make that I, I really wanted to see Iowa do. Either one, if you're not getting there with four, rush three and put an extra guy in the zone. Put an extra guy in coverage. Or we'll say a couple times, but not not as much as they should, yeah. Or or you do the opposite and you, you, you play some man you sent some extra pressure. I did see them try to do that a little bit, but what I didn't see, and, and maybe they just didn't really, and they, a couple of times they did get them in third and long situations was the Raider package that they used to come out with, with the, you know, D lineman kind of standing up and moving around. And, and they, you, if you're not getting there with, with your normal flat, you know, front four, oh, yeah. find some ways to manufacture pressure. I absolutely agree, and this is the last thing that I'll say on it. Uh, you hit on both things. The pass defense, is, the pass defense, absolutely had their their nightmare of the game, and and we discussed that. Um, and, and again, Matt, just one more thing on that: the the three corners that Iowa has, the three top corners, to me, they are all talented enough to for Phil Parker to say, you know what. We're going to have to throw you uh, at D- David Bell on an island with with some zone help over the top. It, it's you know that's what we have to do. But the, and the other thing which you just hit on was the pass rush uh, and getting pressure or, or or dropping into coverage. The problem that Iowa had was that they did not commit, Paul. They didn't commit to one of them. Uh, they didn't commit to dropping or sending someone. And so it didn't really allow Iowa to get in a groove with that. And there was just too much, too much of, of little tiny things and not enough of one major thing to really get things going. You know what I mean? Uh, and so, yeah, the, that absolutely right. Uh, and that did not happen. And hopefully looking forward to Northwestern, that is fixed. Well, and, and, you know, so uh, moving on here, as, as we kind of beat up on the defense there a little bit, as, as much they, as we're going to. Fine. Yeah, um, yeah. And just overall, f- folks, by the way, I said after the game, and I think Paul agrees, I don't think the defense played bad. They only gave up 24 points, and it, it wouldn't even have been that much had Iowa held on to the dang football uh, inside the 25. Uh, but you know what I mean? But, uh, outside, you know, outside of that, uh, to me, I would give the Iowa defense a, a, a B, a B. So you absolutely just stole my thunder again. I swear to God, folks, he, <laughs> he does not have the topics that I wanted to talk about. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I was, Iowa outgained Purdue. 
Uh, Iowa held Purdue to 24 points, which in, in today's college football, are you guys, is anybody else watching college football? I, I mean, look yeah. what's going on in the, in the SEC right now. They're putting up 40, 50 points per right. game per team. It's happening yep. everywhere. We held them to 24 points. That's that's a good enough effort to win the game. So yes. I, I don't think the defense is in any major uh, meltdown mode. I think they, you know, I, again, Iowa was, you know, a couple of turnovers, like you mentioned. Um, I, I, you hold a team to 24 points on the road. You're going to give yourself a chance to win. Iowa did that. They may have left some points on the field at the end of the first half. We went over that earlier. Um, But that brings me to our next topic, the penalties. Yeah. Yeah, obviously that stood out. Uh, Now, I don't believe in blaming the officials hardly ever. Like I agree. uh, uh, You you know, no matter what – Sometimes calls don't go your way. Sometimes you don't get the flag that, that you, you should. Those things are happening. You know, in, in basketball, I, I, I see phantom calls called all the time where there's that they, they blow a foul on that they anticipate was going to happen, but I don't, you know, the guy never even gets touched. But right. uh, yeah, I agree with that. You're right on that. Yep. Um, that they expected the, the the foul to happen or that they already had it in their mind that they were going to call the foul. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it happens. You 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 can't blame the officials. I, I got into a You're right. a, yep. a conversation on Facebook about this where where they said, well, this is the officials lost the game for Iowa. And I said, well, you know, I went through no. most of the things that we've talked about to this point, and I said, you know, after all of what what I just mentioned, you know, what we just talked about the 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 turnovers the. That first half uh, play calling, uh, the inability to stop David Bell, um, the inability to to get to the quarterback, all these different. Now, maybe, you know, reason five, six, seven, eight, somewhere down the list, we can say officiating. Yeah, that's way down the list, the officiating. This is what I'll, uh, Paul, way to absolutely dominate that. Listen, folks. There, in my career of many, many games, there are maybe, and I said this post-game, maybe two games that I can remember that I could say that the refs played a part in the decision, the outcome of the game. And even then, it's hard for me to say that. The, the truth of the matter is, officials, over the course of the game, and, and I know we don't see this as much in football because uh, in football, it's not, you know, basketball where the calls usually add up at the, by the end of the game, uh, you know, just statistically, uh, you know, because if one team is more disciplined, they will not be penalized as much in football. Basketball, it's not like that. The, the calls will, you know, uh, in other words, if you think there's a terrible call in basketball, there, uh, in a basketball game at the end of the game, there was probably just as bad of a call earlier in the game that went for us. Yeah. Uh, that's just the nature of it. Um, bottom line is, uh, it, it was not the officiating. Was the officiating great? No, it wasn't. But was it uh, bad to the point where Iowa lost because of them? No. No. Sometimes you just need to look at Iowa, your favorite team, 
and say, okay, this guy didn't do this, okay? Because I can, quite frankly, Paul, the, the officials are probably 10, 11 down the list. You know, because for me, uh, knowing how much individual players impact games, uh, I would put, you know, the performances of guys like Chauncey Golston, Amir Smith-Marset, or the non-performances of them, uh, way ahead of, of, of the uh, officials. Um, I, I would add to that yeah. real quick, too, that the, the penalties that went against Iowa were all – they, they, they were self-inflicted wounds, false yes. start penalties, Amir Smith-Marset pulling the guy off the pile and things. These Just things so that, dumb. They, they, Just they, so dumb. Yeah, and the, well, one, those are things that can easily be cleaned up and, and sure. we shouldn't see going forward. But the, my, I guess my point is, is that did they do it? Yeah, they did it. Okay, well, that's not on the officials for what are they supposed to not call the penalties? You know, like right. when they happen. Like uh, the, the only thing that is maybe there, the only thing that's maybe there is, you know, I thought that the last pass uh, that Spencer threw on fourth down that that was you know that probably would have been a pi in the third quarter or second quarter the very last one um you know was purdue holding on our offensive line yeah probably uh most most no doubt in my mind yeah they were um but ultimately uh that's not enough to blame it on the officials in the game because, again, like I said, maybe it wasn't the officials. Maybe Goldston and Van Volkensburg just didn't do their jobs because if you, if you rewatch the game, most of the pressure was coming from up the middle, from, you know, Davion Nixon. So, yeah, it's, it's, it wasn't the ref's fault, not, not even close. And, you know, there's a reason I decided to make this the last topic for, for Purdue. And the reason why is because I think it's that far down the list of reasons the outcome was what it was. Uh, is it something worth talking about? Only to me to the extent that Iowa showed a lot yes. of discipline. Uh, you know, they, you know, pretty much all their penalties were, were you know, just like the, the first good fumble, self-inflicted wound. And, um, you know, there's concern for me. You know, is this was this first game jitters? Was it, you know, what was it? Is 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 this showing up as uh, a lack of discipline on the team? Is it showing up that that we're we're without the disciplinary right. uh, that used to be here, or is this, uh, you know, was this a fluke? So it's something to keep an eye on. Excellent but, point, uh, Paul. Listen. Um... I'm going to say, you know, I am worried about it um, because I think, I think it's very obvious to anybody being obvious with themselves about the game. And, you know, here's the truth about it, Paul. I have no problem talking about the Iowa-Purdue game because that's, you know, we can look ahead to Northwestern, which we will, but the only sample size we have is Iowa versus Purdue. You know, um, and but as far as the point that you were getting to, 
because uh, you you made two points. One uh, is this is this going to be an all season thing, or is this just going to be a one game thing? And then the other point was that it wasn't the officiating uh, that that made Iowa lose that game. The absolute lack. We mentioned that game from from the very beginning, and to me, that they were much more talented than Purdue, and I think that showed from the get go. But as I said before, Iowa is not Ohio State or Michigan, even though they've been recruiting better. They aren't good enough to just show up and beat teams in the Big Ten. Maybe one or two. But not, not any decent team with decent coaches. They're, they're, that's just – the Big Ten is too well coached for that. Um, and so Iowa still has to do the little things. I am worried, Paul, that this is uh, systemic rather than just one, uh, one game because we didn't see Tyler Goodson – fumble like that and it wasn't like it was just Tyler Goodson it was three different guys or was it yes three different guys it was Mackay Sargent Brandon Smith and Tyler Goodson so it doesn't show me that it's a one guy problem it was literally an entire team that was struggling with that on offense um and then the other thing is uh is the the energy Paul the energy wasn't there from the beginning, which I already alluded to. You know, Iowa needs to do the small things and have the energy uh, to, to win. Even though they are very talented, they, there's only maybe a handful of teams that Iowa can just show up and beat in the Big Ten. So I, moving forward, looking to Northwestern, Paul, I am a little nervous that this is going to continue. I, I'm not going to lie. This, this, this is the number one thing that I am concerned about is – is Iowa going – is it just a one-game thing? Or are they going to, uh, you know, secure the hatches and, and get going? Number one, with energy, and number two, with focus. Uh, because all of the penalties, all of the fumbles were either uh, energy-related – you, you know, uh, energy or, or uh, whatever you want to call it, energy, uh, participation, or concentration issued. Because in a fumble, if you aren't running as hard as you can and, and, and uh, really taking it to the guy, that is a lack of effort a little bit. A fumble is as much concentration as it is effort. Would you agree with that, Paul? Yes, to an extent. I mean, uh, you, you don't expect your, your teammate to punch the ball out. Well, yeah, but here's, a, here's the deal. If that was a Purdue guy, it would have still been a fumble. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. So um, I, the point that I'm making is that fumbles and uh, and – um, penalty calls are, are always either both or one of the two, which is, uh, which is focus 
and or, or excuse me, focus slash concentration and or energy and effort related. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I am concerned about that moving into the Iowa game. Yeah, go ahead, Paul. Sorry. All right. So, uh, so uh, before we move on to Northwestern here, I, I just want to say, uh, say again, guys, uh, you know, check out our content on 247hawkeye.com. Big time content, Make baby. Sure check us out. Uh, make sure you check us out on Instagram and uh, Twitter uh, at 247hawkeye.com as well, or 247hawkeye. Yes, it's uh, 247hawkeye.com, and follow us on Twitter at 247hawkeye, and on Instagram at uh, official247hawkeye.com. Perfect. So, all right, so let's talk about Northwest. Tom Page, they... sorry. Yeah, go ahead, Paul. That's okay. That's good. Yeah, so Northwestern, they, they uh, unlike Iowa, did win their first game, and they did so yes, in a fashion. They won 43-3 40, against uh, Maryland. Uh, let's, just, let's just, you know. Yeah, let's dive in, baby. Does that, does that say more about Northwestern or Maryland? Great question. Um, I think, to me, just like the Wisconsin-Illinois game, I think uh, it's kind of – the car in the background. Um, I think it's both. I think uh, now one more or the other, I, I don't know. If I had to bet, I would say I do think it's probably more so Maryland and more so Illinois than it, than uh, I would feel more comfortable saying that than saying, oh yeah, this shows that Wisconsin is just a powerhouse or or that Northwestern is, this is going to be a really, really good season because there's only one game. Um, but uh, it, focusing more on Northwestern, I know I always bring Wisconsin into the mix because that's just who I compare Iowa to. Uh, to me, it, it, that Northwestern's win, solid win, but it was, uh, to me, more so it showed me what Maryland is versus what Northwestern is. Uh, because, uh, you know, I, I'm just not so sure what I can truly say about Peyton Ramsey against the Maryland defense. I'm not sure what I can say about their running game against the Maryland defense. You know, I'm not sure, uh, you know, had they gone up against uh, somebody else, maybe. But Maryland, I'm not so sure. I'm curious what you think on that, Paul. Well, here's I got yeah. that for you. Mar Maryland coach Mike Lawson <laughs> is six and forty-one as a head coach. That's crazy. He's just stealing. He's just stealing from. <laughs> he is. I didn't even know that. That is insane. And I know Maryland isn't known for winning. They should be, because the truth of the matter is this: is that Maryland and Illinois are probably the two, two of the top five coaching jobs in the Big Ten because, number one, you get the uh, Big Ten, if recruiting a kid, you get a Big Ten education. But Maryland and Illinois are not like Northwestern, Iowa, or Michigan as far as academics go. They're good, but they're not, you know, up there. Um, and then also, uh, you are in great recruiting states. Uh and then the other thing is, it's not like there's a world of, of pressure on you to win there because it's Illinois has won in the past, uh, but it's 
you know, what Levy Smith has done, it's obvious that, you, put it this way, if what happened has happened for Illinois over the past four years happened for Iowa, uh, people would be calling for the job of, of that coach, plain and simple. Uh, the guy would be gone. Yeah. So, uh, focus, you didn't, you didn't get, the, you didn't answer it. So, what do you think it is? Is it more so uh, northwestern or Maryland? I'm not going to say that that's here. I'm going to, I'm going to say that, uh, that that it does definitely get more about yeah, Maryland. Yeah, I agree. Does northwestern. Um, but that I'm not taking Agreed. anything away from yep. northwestern. Um, but here, here's what I found interesting. So they, they, they have kind of a two-headed running back yes. situation for Northwestern. Bowser and Anderson, they combined for 170 yards rushing. The Anderson averaged over 10 yards per carry and went over right. 100 yards. What? I, I, and now Northwestern runs a, a spread, and they, you know, with Ramsey, they are going to toss the ball around the yard. How important is it for Iowa to, to establish the line of scrimmage on defense and and stop the run? Because if they don't stop the run, this they'll be in trouble. This this will not right. Work for Iowa. It's it's yeah. absolutely massive, Paul. Um, here's the difference, and I said it on the NHA podcast: is Iowa Northwestern does not have a David Bell. Um, Northwestern top guy isn't even Iowa's top guy. Don't have a day. Um, which even though Iowa, you know, they their wide receivers didn't. I mean, kind of made me nervous. I mean, I thought they were going to take this massive step, but it, you know, that's that's another conversation for another day. Uh, but point is, is that Northwestern doesn't have the and and Peyton Ramsey doesn't have the options at Northwestern that he did at Indiana. Uh, that's also a fact. Um, and so uh, when Iowa struggled against Northwestern two years ago uh, on the ground, it, it was because they had to defend Clayton Thorsten, who was very similar to C.J. Beathard in the fact that he could throw. Now, C.J. Beathard's a better quarterback than he is, but in the fact that he could throw and run the ball. Um, Peyton Ramsey is similar. He, he, can, he can run around a little bit. I mean, he's not cra- crazy, but Iowa needs. Yeah, he's not just Yeah, no, he's not. He, but he yeah, can he still scoot a little bit. Um, right. Iowa is going to have to absolutely sell out on the run. And uh, be, I'll put it this way. I would turn off the game in the first quarter if I didn't see Iowa was – selling out to, to, to stop the run because Northwestern, even Iowa still has to prove, their wide receivers have to prove that they have the guys where, where if you have to choose what you're going to do, are you going to sell out on the run against Iowa or are you going to stop the, the passing attack? Even Iowa, and, and the talent that they have still, I think, uh, you know, you, we still have to prove that. Same thing with Northwestern. They need to prove that that uh, they can throw the ball around. And until they do, which they did okay against Maryland, until they do, you have to stop the run. You just have to, plain and simple. 
Well, and you know, the, the one takeaway, one of the takeaways I, I took from watching, cause I did watch that Northwestern Maryland game. I watched the, uh, the 60 minute version of oh, yeah. the network, um, is, uh, Taga Vialoa, you know, the yeah. his brother is, you know, just, he, he was just chucking balls, uh, around the, he, he has a long way to go at quarterback. I, I couldn't really judge how good Northwestern's defense actually was. Great point. They held, they held Maryland to three points, but um, Maryland put together a, a very good opening drive. It stalled out, and they, they, they settled for their only three points. Oh, left. I love this point. Yeah. But, uh, but, but Taga Vialoa. Uh, he's know, not Spencer he's Petrus. Yeah, he, he's not Spencer Petrus. He's not, um, you know, Peyton Ramsey. Yes, Paul, I, I love what you're getting at here. Um, listen, the fact is, I'm, I'm, even though Northwestern is known for a solid defense, I am not going into this game concerned that Iowa will not be able to score because – uh, you know, North, it's, Northwestern played a Maryland team that it's just they're not good. And so, again, if, if, if their defense didn't hold uh, Maryland to the points that they did, I would probably be saying some other things about Northwestern. But, but again, the Northwestern's defense – there's, there's no reason that Iowa should go into this game thinking that they cannot score uh, based off of what we saw against Maryland. Uh, it's not that Maryland did great against Northwestern. It's just we don't know because Northwestern hasn't played really good offenses yet. You know, And, again, this is kind of a prove-it game to me, Paul, with the Iowa offense. Is this Iowa? Because they showed with the yards against Purdue – that this can be a really, really solid offensive team, a top 60, top 50 offensive team. Now, they need to score the football, but I think this is a big game against Northwestern, a, a, a good Northwestern, a, a, a solid Northwestern team. Can they score on Northwestern, you know, 27 to 30 points and, and really get there? Um, and, you know, I guess uh, what I'm saying is, I'm not concerned that Iowa, uh, based off of what I saw versus Purdue and what Northwestern did against Maryland, that I that Iowa cannot score. You know, and don't don't let a score like forty nine to three. Yes, you. I'm not saying that. Yeah, but understand what these two teams are wanting to do. Mar- Maryland, like Purdue, um, you know, they want to yes. go fast. And when you're turning the ball over a lot. You're putting your defense right. back out there. When you're going three and out, uh, and you're doing no huddle, and you're trying to go fast, you're putting your defense back yep. out there. And uh, Iowa does not do that. You know, we're going to ground and pound. We're we're going to control the the time of possession. At least we hope to. Uh, and and sometimes the best defense is keeping your offense on the field, right. sustaining drives. And so Maryland may have fed into their own demise. Uh, with, with with the you know with what they're trying to do, their offense fed into um, Northwestern's points and what Northwestern yes. wanted to do. You're absolutely right. That's a great point. Yep. And uh, really quickly with uh, with with this game, 
listen, Iowa, and I'm curious what you you think overall, Paul. Does Iowa have a similar approach to offensively that they did because they did not win time of possession against Purdue, which was not good. That bothered me that they did not win time of possession against Purdue, which is why they lost. Had they held on to the ball longer, they would have won. Um, So, yeah, I'm curious what you think on this. Yeah. So I, I think Iowa lost the time of possession battle against Purdue in the first quarter for the, for the last three quarters, they were okay. But in the first quarter field position backed Iowa up, they, they, they started their first three drives from like the 10 yard line or in. And whenever you do that, it's, it's hard. Agreed. Uh, and then they, they went three and out their first two or three possessions. And by the way, you know, Purdue started, you know, uh, you know, that Purdue's getting the ball at midfield after all of that went down. It was still only a seven. Well, hold on. If Purdue gets down. the ball at midfield, then that, that, them holding on to the ball will be much less than Iowa holding or Iowa get, getting the ball starting at, you know, the 10, 20 yard line because they should have longer drives. Um, but but right. uh, Iowa should have had a better TOP than Purdue. They did, they did not. So I'm curious if you think it, that things should stay the same, that it should be about, you know, 52% pass to 48% run, or that Iowa needs to realize what they have in the stable, even though Iowa is supposedly really, really talented at wide receiver. And I'm going to continue saying supposedly because until we Smith-Marset and Brandon Smith and or Brandon Smith really – step up uh i you know i i it's it's gonna be hard for me to say that they are next level where where it's to the point that i'm going to mention them anymore as a, as something that opposing teams need to worry about as opposed to opposing teams just need to be uh ready for that because there's a difference between being focused and worried about something and just being you know noticing what i you know what's there um, so, so we'll see there, but, uh, yeah, I'm curious what you well, think. All right. So uh, a few points on that, and, and I don't want to go back to too much on Purdue. No, I'm asking for Northwestern. How, how does Iowa move forward against Northwestern? First, I, 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 I saw a report that, uh, both of Northwestern starting defensive tackles are out. Not good. Uh, so you would think Iowa has a huge advantage uh, along the offensive line here uh, with, with them missing both of their starting defensive tackles. Iowa absolutely has to take advantage of that. They've got to be committed to it. Uh, you know, you know uh, it, even if that means uh, putting, what's his name? Damian Bird, I think is his name. The, the their bigger back. Uh, Shadrick Beard. How, Shadrick, that, that's what I'm thinking of. Put him in there and and pound away. Go big ten. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Uh, because I think that's that's going to be what what Iowa needs to do to win the game is control the ball, run the ball down their throats, and and say, look, you know, and 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 get into you know, stay on schedule. Yeah, you know, sure. You know, I, 
we are not we're not going to pick up a lot of third and 15s. We need to be in third and 3, third and 4. Uh, in fairness, no a lot of teams will not pick up third and 15s. But yeah, I, I understand your point. Yeah, but if we don't kill ourselves with false start penalties and holding penalties and we don't fumble the ball uh, in the red zone or on the edge of the red zone against Purdue, we probably put another – and, and we don't mess around at the end of the first half. We, that, that's potentially 18 points we left on the field. Right. With the two fumbles and, and the, the end of the first half play call. So those 18 points, all, all of a sudden now we're talking about a 38-20. Right. So you think that – well, who knows if it's even 24 points for Purdue. It could have been – ended up just being 14 – so you think Iowa needs to pound back and use some of the, maybe their bigger body backs to because bigger body backs, Paul, we know this just like the Purdue guy did, uh, and Northwestern has a similar guy in Isaiah Bauer. Um, you know, yep. guys get tired of tackling somebody like that, especially when you are constantly running the football down their throat. And that's the one thing. Uh, yes, exactly. That's I remember in two thousand eight, the two thousand eight season. You know, Iowa would always start slow, but by the end of the game, they could put twenty one points on the board in the fourth quarter because of just how tired the defense was. So on the run game, for me, the one thing that I have added since the beginning is Ivory Kelly Martin, uh, Tyler Goodson, and Mackay Sargent are not smash mouth running backs do they hit the holes hard yes but they're not the big body backs that that really are tiresome to tackle uh and so maybe iowa should think about just a couple carries here and there getting a bigger body guy to to deliver contact um but i uh, plain and simple paul iowa needs to run the football against northwestern i think that Iowa, sh- I don't really think that there should be any difference in Iowa's game plan uh, from what they did against Purdue. If it needs to be 52% pass, 48% run, and that's how Iowa does things, you know, to get more points on the board, I'm okay with it as long as it works. Everything worked except for the final points on the score. So I don't want to go too, too far and say that Iowa should stop passing the football like they did because the truth of the matter is, Iowa, for a first-time quarterback, Paul, 250 yards, um, and then, on th- you know, his wide receivers weren't giving him help. I know he didn't, you know, throw great balls uh, to some of those passes. But anyways, that's another conversation for another day. But um, I guess what I'm saying is, is that, yes, Iowa needs to commit to the run. But also... I won't be mad if Iowa comes out with a very similar game plan to what they had with Purdue because everything worked except for the final execution with the fumbles, the false starts, and the, you know, uh, getting those final points on the board. At minimum, Iowa should have scored 26 points against Purdue. It should have been 26 24 with the two field goals inside the, the, uh, the, two fumbles inside the 25 and inside, I think the other one was the 16. All right. So uh, last topic and we'll, we'll, you know, get, get on our way here. 
who do you think needs to have a big game against Northwestern for Iowa to win? Um, for for Iowa to win, I I think it's uh, Tyler Goodson, but um, you know, long term, I would like to see Amir Smith Marset and or Brandon Smith and or Ty- Nico Regani or Tyrone Tracy have a big game and start to cement themselves as go-to guys. Um, I think that's the biggest problem with the Iowa pass game is it's obvious the talent that Sean Byer and Sam Laporta present. But in the wide receiver group, who's going to step up and be the guy? And be, and you know, quite frankly, at times it looked like Nico Rajani, a.k.a. Nico Regani. You know, he's very sure-handed. He gets open all the time. Um, so, but I, so I'll say Tyler Goodson and then secondary, some, either Amir Smith-Marset or, or Brandon Smith, but Tyler Goodson. I, I'm not worried about Spencer Petras. Uh, I think he had a fine game against Purdue, good enough to win, uh, especially in his first game. So uh, what do you think, Paul? Well, you know, I yes, yes, you do. <laughs> uh, and, and my guy's not going to show up in the stat sheet, but with, with Northwestern missing both defensive tackles, uh, I, I want to see right. Linderbaum have just a yes. dominating game. Uh, you know, obviously, first and foremost, the, the QB center exchanges need to be solid. They were last week. That was a positive. We didn't have any, uh, you know, any issues with the exchange. It, it all starts there. But if, if Linderbaum absolutely dominates his guy or his assignments, I was going to be able to run the football right, right. on Northwestern's throat. And, and, and we talked about, you got to run the ball and stop the run in the big 10. And if Iowa can do that on Saturday, I, I think they'll be, I okay. agree. And I think it all starts. I absolutely Saturday. agree. That's a, that's a great call there partner. Uh, and you know, uh, Moving forward, and I hope Iowa takes advantage because this Iowa offensive line, I mean, Paul, there's three NFL guys at the very least in Iowa's top five right now. And that's just at the very minimum. minimum. You know, Cole Banwart can, yeah. or, or Mark Kellenberger, uh, our talented Kyle Schott, who knows? Uh, they're very talented. In, in other words, what I'm saying, folks, is that this Iowa offensive line is very, very, very talented. So, yeah. I mean, they got Coy Cronkle, Eric Jackson, Tyler Lindebaum. Those guys are NFL guys for sure. Three out of your five guys are NFL guys. You know, so, yeah, I mean, there's talent all over it. Uh, I like that call. like that call a lot, partner. Awesome. So, well, um, do you uh, do you have any parting shots? I, I just want to say before we go, uh, you know, you know, we, we have now flushed the Purdue game. Right. We're looking forward to Northwestern. We got seven games left, we hope, uh, or eight games left, I should say, that we, we, we hope. Do you have time to talk uh, about that for a yeah. second? Just real quick, what you thought about the cancellation um, of the Wisconsin-Nebraska game? Or do you got to get going? No, no. Uh, I sure. understand why. Uh, Wisconsin, you know, they're 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 you know taking the the side of, uh, of, of extreme uh, uh, safety measures or whatever. 
the big the Big Ten set forth the strictest rules for around COVID and the ability to play. Uh, Wisconsin did not even hit those thresholds to uh, they they could have played even under the strict Big Ten rules for COVID. To me, this should be a forfeit. This should not be a, a no contest. I agree. Um, you know, it's it's unfair to Nebraska. It's unfair to the uh, other Wisconsin guys that that you know, and, and you know injuries happen all the time. Should should, right. should teams be able to just so we're not going to play this week because uh, our, our our starting quarterback got hurt in the last game, or because our our our, our superstar cornerback got hit with a targeting in the second half and now he can't play in the first half you know like uh this i agree as far as i'm concerned that's that's all it is and uh wisconsin didn't want to didn't want to lose a football game and you know uh, i i'm anti-nebraska as much as anybody but uh you know if i'm if i'm scott frost and i'm i'm you know the the nebraska players i'm i'm a little bit pissed because uh, you know, Wisconsin should have to play that game without their quarterback, without you know whatever, and and maybe yes, maybe- I a thousand percent agree. The national media has really hit this decision hard. Uh, I it, it should be a forfeit um, because mm-hmm. listen, folks. Bottom line is. CDC stats have given that for any age group, if you get COVID, you have a 98% of survival, even or higher, even some of the most, um, you know, older people who are susceptible to this. And so these really solid athletes, they're going to be fine. And for, I'll just be honest, I look at this as very similar to the flu or something like that, that, that guys get sick or, or like mono guys get sick. And yes, there are, uh, ramifications, uh, possibly, uh, at the, at the far end, but that just is placating to fear as opposed to logical, solid thinking and just being strong. And, and Wisconsin, if Nebraska was good to go and Wisconsin did not hit the threshold, uh, then yes, 100%. If I was Nebraska, I would be pushing against this saying, Wisconsin forfeited, this should be a forfeit, and 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 that's it. Plain and simple. If I was an Iowa fan and, and that's what Wisconsin did, that's what I would be saying. Paul, that was a great assessment. I couldn't agree more. Um, and... Um, Listen, I do think Wisconsin would have ended up beating Nebraska, and I think this would have been the start of the end for Scott Frost. But um, ultimately, that's not what happened, and Wisconsin should have been hit with an L and a forfeit. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, so, I mean, what's going to stop any other – From doing the same. At this point, yes. What's going to stop – yeah, what's going to stop Ohio State if – uh, you know, if, if something happens to Justin Fields, oh, well, well you know, we're just not right. going to play this week. It's a bad, bad precedent to set. It's a very bad precedent to set. And, let's, you know, we don't have to spend too much time on it. I know 
we've gone we, we've gone over. I'm I'm going to send this podcast out today, Paul. Um, you know, listen, folks. Going back to Iowa, the, either way, this opens the door for Iowa and Minnesota. The door was not shut for them, but but this opens the door for them in two ways. One. This gives Wisconsin, the less games you play, the less room for error you have. Um, now, I think Wisconsin should have been hit with a forfeit, uh, but nonetheless, that's not what happened, so it is what it is. Um, and secondly, if you look at tiebreakers uh, moving forward, if Iowa or Minnesota beat both Wisconsin and Nebraska, or let's just look at Iowa, if Iowa beats Nebraska and Wisconsin, uh, and Nebraska and or Wisconsin have uh, the same record as Iowa, the tiebreaker goes to Iowa because Nebraska and Wisconsin haven't played each other, and Iowa would have a win over one of these two teams that, that these two teams do not. And then also for the tiebreaker with Nebraska and Wisconsin, it's nothing. Um, so this still goes in the favor of a team like Iowa and, uh, and, and Minnesota, if you want them to win the West. Um, and so, yeah. Um, but the last thing I'll say, Paul, you know, is just the score that, that I want to give, uh, and then, you know, this is your podcast. You, you, uh, and, end it how how you want Do you want to end doing the scores for this game? How we think it's going to go? Yeah, let's do that. Um, I think Iowa is going to win 32 to, to 20. I know that's a big, big thing, and, uh, and that's fine. Um, I, I really think Iowa is going to stuff Northwestern offensively, uh, and, and Northwestern is going to have a hard time scoring on Iowa. And I think Iowa, everything Iowa showed me last week, it was the most smooth offense besides the penalties and besides the fumbles that I had seen in a long time, probably since the game against USC. I haven't seen an Iowa operate that smoothly since Iowa versus USC, uh, an Iowa offense, that is, uh, besides those things. Mm -hmm. And so it, it, I am not worried about the offense and their ability to, to move the football. Spencer Petras, guys, I know people, some of you guys are, are uh, either you blame the head coach or you blame the quarterback, one of the two. You know, hashtag blame the quarterback guy or hashtag blame the head coach guy. Listen, some, most of the time that's true. Uh, and maybe it was even true uh, against Purdue. But you can't deny that Spencer Petras made some big boy effing throws that I mean, it made me giddy because the, the dude just has like a swagger uh, that even though he was jittery, he just has a swagger to him that I, I like uh, and a confidence. And I, I know him personally. And listen, uh, so I'm biased, but I feel good about him. And, I, and everything he showed, uh, it, to me, it, felt, it looked fine. And I think everything will be uh, okay. I'm hoping that he has a two touchdown game, Paul. Really, uh, you know, just to shove that back in the in the hashtag blame quarterback uh, people's faces. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm going 32-20. Um, I'm not really concerned about Northwestern. 
But this is a must win for Iowa. That's the last thing I'll say. This is a must win. Go ahead. All right. So uh, my prediction is uh, Brian Ferentz gets some easy completions to Smith Marset mm. early in the game. Slants, uh, 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 wide receiver. I hope so. Maybe even just a jet sweep, even just to get Smith Marset going. Um, Iowa gets, you know, Iowa shows the threats on the outside. It opens everything up in the middle with the running game behind Linderbaum. Uh, and I, tell you, I think Iowa really, you know, shows just a huge improvement from week one to week two. They, they cut out the penalties. They cut out the turnovers. And, and I honestly, I see Iowa in this one, say like 35-17. I like it. I like that. Um and I feel good about that. Uh, and I feel good about Iowa winning this football game. Guys, I've said, said it before, and I'll say it again. This is a very uh, talented Iowa team, so I feel good. Um, go, go ahead and take us out of here, Paul. All right. So, uh, everybody, again, check us out, 247hawkeye.com. Check us out on social media. We love you guys. We absolutely love doing these podcasts. Uh, we love to get yep. your feedback, so uh, comments, uh, questions for us. We'd love to take them next week on the big ass. Uh, Thank you for having podcast. me, Paul. Uh, Nolan, yeah, Nolan. I know you like to go out on a high note, so I'm gonna. I'm gonna the- uh, listen, folks. This is Paul's podcast, but I will say uh, that have no fear. This, like I said, this is a very good Iowa team. And uh, look for this to be a, a, probably a completely different game from what we saw against Purdue. And uh, I feel confident that it will be in Iowa's favor. Um, you guys can find us at 247Hawkeye on Twitter and at official247Hawkeye.com page on Instagram. And uh, obviously anywhere on the podcast, uh, you know, uh, stratosphere. Um, and uh, other than that, Paul, uh, you know, shoot it back to you and say goodbye. Uh, thank you so much for having me on the Big Ass Hercule podcast. I love chatting with you. Had a great time, partner. Oh, man, the, the pleasure is definitely mine. And, and as always, what we always say. Amen, brother. Feelings, right? Listen, folks, D-back, don't be a pussy willow. And facts over feelings, so your feelings don't matter. Have a good rest of your week, folks. See you all Saturday morning for the NHA pregame show. Who knows? Maybe I'll have Paul on. We'll see. Love you.